Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. Zwift is interval workouts, training plans, and massive online group rides made fun. Because fun works, and fun gets results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com to try it today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or schedule rides with our friends at Zwift. Joining me in the train, this is the, the journey to Paris, is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? I'm pretty good. Actually, I'm better than pretty good because we don't have to drive seven hours. We've dumped the cars off, and I mean, by the way, can you sort out France rental car companies because can I, if I can just quickly tell the story, we go to drop the cars off it's closed on a Sunday, fair enough fair call, it's only the biggest holiday period of the year, so yep, closed on a Sunday. And they sort of knew we were coming because <laughs> it was booked? <laughs> it was booked and then there's this crappy sign that I sort of pointed to and you looked at it, translated and said oh actually we've got to drop the cars at the Ibis hotel around the corner Of course we do. So then we get around to the Ibis. You run in, right? Where do we? What do we do with the cars? And the guy goes to you, okay, you've got to park the cars somewhere on the street, anywhere. Just find a car space that's legal, of course, and then drop the keys back. Like what the? <laughs> and make the name, not of the name of the streets, and then come back, and then yeah. Anyway, uh, I've got lots to sort out on this country <laughs> now. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. start collecting on this podcast, oh yes, yes. But you know what? It's all good. We got the cars dropped off. Now we're on the TGV. We're approximately an hour and a half away. I think we are just about at full speed, ladies and gentlemen. 275 kilometers per hour. 300, actually, my friend. Oh, is it just 300? Okay. Yeah. There are some French pride in this, you know. <laughs> These trains are awesome. Okay. 275. No, 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 no. 300 kilometers. Yeah, do, do you learn that in school as a kid growing up? Yeah, <laughs> they, they tell you the speed. No, it's good. We are, we are all, you know, part of uh, making France uh, a showcase for France. You know, we're going to make France great again. <laughs> exactly. Now, but okay. Uh, so you're here behind us. We are starting this journey uh, on this podcast in the train. So we hope to take you about, you know, whatever our journey is to Paris and our trip to Paris. Uh, so. Let's talk Tour de France, let's talk cycling, uh, because we have just a little bit of time to think about what we've just been doing, what we've just done, and then hopefully we'll talk to some of the members of the crew along the way on this podcast. But simple question for you, Maka. Uh, truly, what's your highlight of this 2019 Tour de France? Having said this, we haven't seen the last stage yet. Okay. Can I have a... Here we go. Now, now I, want, <laughs> I want special consideration, because... If I can give you a highlight of a cyclist, it's got to be Caleb Ewan's first stage win. And I think if you're listening, you're probably thinking, yeah, well, obviously it's one of the Australians. But I guess for me, it is because I happened to be out on the track that day doing the, the job that I normally do or have done in the years past on the finish line. And when an Australian wins a stage or wins a tour for that matter, As, a, as the rights holder of that nation, we get to effectively do the first interview. Sometimes we used to get to do the world feed interview. Now we don't, but we get to do the very, very first interview after that. So we get to go behind the podium. No other TV crews do from any other network, only the stage winners uh, national network. Um, so you get, you get the emotions immediately that pour out of 
you know, the winner, which was Caleb Ewan, of course. It was his first win. And the excitement and the joy that I think we all felt for him, uh, you know, it was just brilliant. So that has to be the highlight. You know, it was it was just nice to, to sort of experience that once again because it's been, it's been two, three years between drinks. And Lua Late? It's got to be Tibo Pino. It has to be Tibo Pino. It was, um, you know, you got to love the sport for the way, and you got to love ASO for the way they, or France TV, showcase everything about the race, you know, the highs, the lows, all that sort of stuff. And I've talked about that already, but when the cameras just were fixated on him, you know, and he obviously being French, they just would not leave him alone. And it wasn't bad. They didn't they didn't step over the mark. But he was sobbing, he's crying, he's, his teammates consoling him. He hugged his teammate and then he just literally got off his bike, didn't even hand the bike to his teammate. His teammate just grabbed it and then he got in the car and then the snappers, the photographers, was like paparazzi. And actually, the, the, one of the mechanics was trying to kick one of the cameramen away. Try to kick? No, he kicked him <laughs> uh, in the best of places. Yeah, and... You know, you can see the frustration. You can understand the frustration from the whole team. It was, but it wasn't anything bad. They're just doing their job. And you want to capture the moment. And probably in a year's time, and probably less than that, Tibor Pino, he will want to look over those photos and the vision that, that showed him withdrawing. So that was really sad uh, because... It was sad because he didn't... It would have been almost less sad, which is weird, if he had, have, you know, crashed and broken a collarbone because you would have gone well it's clean cut it's you know what I mean it was the injury he did was weird he, he said he banged it I think on his bike or on his handlebars or something he wasn't even sure how he did it so it was just a bizarre injury and when you can't see physically anything wrong you know he didn't have a cut he didn't have a graze he didn't have blood you know running down his leg or anything like that you're just sort of like how is it that this guy which was you know fighting for the pointy end to win the race and I'll tell you what, he would have been right there is suddenly out of the race just like that before we hit the two big biggest mountain stages of the, of the race There's actually some emotional um, footage if you go on the Twitter for the, for the team, the FDJ Groupama where there's a chat between uh, Madio and him uh, after the uh, after everything all falls out and then they showed a little bit of archival footage from the night before where Thibaut Pinot can't even walk down the stairs let alone walk up the stairs so he was in a really bad shape and then at the end he's sobbing and he's crying saying you know, what did I do to deserve this you know and then Madio has actually got some really good words there where he says to him I saw in French so I'll translate yeah. uh, but he, he says to him you know just keep at it just keep at it keep doing your best and at some point you will deliver it, no matter when it's just a matter when you will deliver so he's got some really powerful media. Mark Madio is great for that Yeah, I mean, he's a bit of a nut, nut job when, <laughs> when his riders are winning or <laughs> in a breakaway. But no, nah, I mean, look, there's a human side to it. And I think that's ultimately that's what it is. And, you know, our producer, Kath Willen, always talks about when we're, when we're focusing on, which we are mostly here, the TV side of uh, what we're delivering, you, f you focus a lot on the human side, the human element, because you, the listener, or you, the viewer back home, We all relate to that. We all, we, no matter what, whether you want to criticize it or, or celebrate it, you all relate to the human side of the story. And that's, I guess, what sort of really hit a chord with me and I think hit a chord with a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give you my highlight and my low light as well. Can I? 
no, I think we're done here. <laughs> Thank no you. Point. This was the Swiss. <laughs> Highlight first. Away. Away you go. Uh, I, I won't go with the obvious, you know, French riders because this is, is over, over and above our expectation. But uh, I'll have a personal highlight is to be there for my fourth tour. Uh, just realizing, you know, what I've been able to do, what I've been allowed to do, what I've been paid to do. Uh, and just, you know, and how crazy this whole race is. You know, if you look at the logistics and what people might not see around is how... Uh, strong this uh, and how crazy this logistics is uh, all around all around this tour and all around this uh, uh, this event and then the number of people around and just thinking I'm just one of them you know I'm just one of of these many many people around so that would be my highlight being allowed uh, to be here as a low light now I'll keep positive for me this hasn't been really a low light on on this tour so I'll, I'm not even sitting on the fence I'll try not to think about low light Come on, come on. Mate, what about the fondue last night? How that was were, a highlight. How were you feeling in bed? That's a personal thing. Afterwards? <laughs> that, that must have been a low light when that cheese was just expanding in your stomach. Uh, that's a personal matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I could reel off a bunch of things, but I won't do it. <laughs> so those journey like we are we said on our way from uh, Chambéry Lyon uh, so from the Alps to Paris I mean what goes through your mind when you have these two three hours which you normally don't really have two or three hours on a journey to think and relate what's been going on in this tour do, do you sit back and relax or do you just enjoy Kylie Minogue on YouTube like I just seen you do yeah it was just YouTube it was music you know <laughs> It was Kylie Minogue. You know, uh, the, la the last week or so. No, it was Kylie Minogue. It was, sorry? Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue. No, it wasn't. It was. <laughs> it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Don't lie. <laughs> no, I'll tell you who it was. This is worse, actually. And I shouldn't say it's worse. It was Olivia Newton John. <laughs> yes, that is. I thought it was Kylie Minogue, sorry. <laughs> no. And what's wrong with her? And actually, it was, it was also in excess because in the car with Tomo, Mark, our editor, and, and Kath, our producer, of course. We, 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 uh, Tomo loves his music, and actually, Tomo, his background was in music. Tomo worked in music before he got into TV, well before. So, and he loves all types of music. So, we were, you know, on those long journeys, you're just thrashing out uh, different types of music. So, in excess, I was flogging that as well. I mean, you know, <laughs> and a few, and a few actually modern themes as well. Some of the music that I found that Mark, the editor, used to sort of, as the undertone music to some of the highlights when we opened the show. So that's my way to chill out. <laughs> okay, cool. Shall we try to find food? But this bar looks pretty full. Well, there's like 101 Colombians there. I mean, they're hungry because they're hungry for success. And uh, I'm not sure we're going to get any food. Let's open the door. Colombia! 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 We're not getting in, are we? We're not getting any food. We're not getting any food. Viva Colombia! Y viva Marinilla! I guess it's back to our seat, yeah? It's back to our seat, because, uh, yeah, we're not getting food until <laughs> we get there, brother. No, absolutely. This is it, Maka. We're here. Paris. Wait up. Okay. Uh, what do I eat when I arrive in Paris? What's the first thing I should eat? I don't know what you eat, but we eat quick because I'm starving. Oh, yeah. And you know what? I need a cafe au lait. It's super strong. I need a steak tartare. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Let's do it.
They turn for home. It's Merku, followed by Ricchesi. Then Bonifacio with the red shoes. On his wheel, Bosenhagen getting ready to go early. Matteo Trentin is on the wheel. It's Bosenhagen who opens up. The Norwegians are starting to scream. Is it Eddie the boss? He's got his nose in front. He's been close. Bonifacio, Ricchesi. Ricchesi, the Argentinian. It's Caleb Ewan. It's a photo. No, it's not. It's one for the mantelpiece. It's Caleb Ewan. He makes it three. And that was, of course, the win on the Champs-Élysées par King Caleb. I mean, three wins on his maiden tour de France. This is just... I've said this word, incredible, all the way for a tour de France. I can't find another word of this. I've run out of descriptive words for the whole race because <laughs> you're right. It's just been... Look, firstly, it's been an incredible tour. And, you know, as a, as a national broadcaster and like the other national broadcasters here from other nations, you want to see riders from your nation win. But if that not had happened for us, for SBS, we'd still would have walked away being really happy that it was a really great bike race. But we've had Mitchelton win four stages, an Australian World Tour team. And then, as you say, I call him the barrel bullet. <laughs> I call him King Caleb. Well, both. The King Caleb, the King Caleb, known as a barrel bullet, wins, as you said, three stages. And on the champs, I mean, and he came from... I just saw Matt Keenan as we were coming back to the truck. We hugged it out. And I said, I think I'm going to lose my job as the expert analyst because I wrote Caleb off on his, on his two victories. His first one I didn't, but his second two, I said he's too far back. He came from ninth wheel out of the last corner to win the stage and came on the right-hand side of the road. He said all the sprinters told him, whatever you do, don't ever go to the right-hand side on the Champs. It's the bumpiest part of the course. So he went the long way home and still won. I mean, how good is he? He was so much faster than, than all the others. And even Dylan Grunewagen, who was so much faster sort of than everyone else last year. I think Grunewagen, did he win two? I think he won three last year. Uh, and we thought, gee, Dylan Grunewagen's gonna, going to, you know, clean up for the next few years. Along, came, along comes Caleb. And, you know, he showed Dylan Grunewagen twice now uh, how it's done. And, of course, the third win as well. So, and finishing second on the green jersey. With the victory today, he was, you know, everyone was uh, daylight behind Peter Sagan, but the fact that he's elevated himself into second overall on the standings, uh, maybe one day Caleb will, will eyeball the green jersey, you never know. Absolutely. Let's listen to Caleb Ewan. Caleb, this is phenomenal. Oh, I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is where all the sprinters want to win, and I've done it my first time, so oh, I can't believe it. Talk to us about taking that first corner on the Champs-Élysées. What went through your mind? Um, I think there's, there's probably... This is, I mean, this is the most uh, iconic stage in, the, in cycling's history. And to be honest, I turned onto the Champs-Élysées for the first time today and I almost had tears in my eyes. It was just such a surreal feeling to be here. And out of all the Tour de France's that I've watched, obviously this is the stage that stays the same. So, you know, I've watched this stage, stage after stage every year since I was a young boy and I'm finally here and, oh, and yeah, I can't believe I just won the stage. How many times have you done this sprint in your head from a little kill to now? Oh, you know, I said I dreamed about winning a Tour de France stage, but... This is the one that I, I really dreamed about the most. And, uh, yeah, I played this scenario in my head so many times from when I was a young boy, sprinting down the, yeah, sprinting down the Champs-Élysées. And today I finally got to do it. And, uh, yeah, I just can't believe I won it. 
Have you had time to celebrate with the family yet already? I saw them briefly just in between going to the from uh, yeah from the podium, but yeah, I haven't got to stay with them for so long just yet. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That was Caleb Ewan straight after the stage. Uh, I like doing those interviews because they they just you don't you can't see it in audio, but you can see the, in in video how happy that, that smile on his face uh, he's past that stage of relief he's now you know it's, and, and do you think this is good for him to have of course it's, really, it's good for him to have three stages but in a way that you know he came in with a, a knife between his head uh, between his teeth wanted to prove everybody's wrong uh, from what happened last year but then he get the second win and now he got the third win it sort of validates the whole journey now he can just you know be Caleb Ewan. Yes, it's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And and to sort of go back, I guess, just for a second, and remind everyone how Mitchell and Scott excluded him. They'd, they'd said that he was going to be on the team in January, in fact, which was you know probably a mistake by them by announcing it publicly. We're talking last year, not this year. Yes, last year. That's right. And of course, then he at the end of the year, so then he missed out. They because around June they said, you know what, we don't think Caleb's got the form, and he hadn't. To be fair. He hadn't had a great build-up, but he had his frustrations with the team, you know, so it was a bit of a tug-of-war, and in the end, he left, and it's all good between him and the team, by the way, between Mitchell and Scott, but he found a team in Lotto Sudal, or Sudal Lotto, as they now call themselves, that fully said they would back him. They said, we will back you in, and you will go to the Tour de France. We don't need to make a big hoo-ha that you're going to be debuting, but you will be. And we'll back you in. And they backed him in all along. And I asked him, uh, and, and you might have asked this too, but I asked him about just the, the, the team, how they were so relaxed before he even won. You know, so the first week, he didn't win until after the first rest day. So what, 10 stages? And he said, he said that he thought, gee, there's only three more left. And, I mean, he made the most of it. But the team was so relaxed around him. And, I mean, the riders and the directors as well. I think he was the only one putting pressure on himself, which is normal. I don't think the team were putting pressure on him. But he said he was he was trying to keep that inside and bottle it up and didn't want to sort of put it out there with the rest of his teammates. But he's a special kid, isn't he? He is, uh, you know, he's, he's waited a little while to get to the tour and you can debate that he maybe should have been here two years ago even, but he's made up for lost time. Absolutely. Talking of kid, we've got a kid in yellow in Paris. Egil Bernal, I mean, we said incredible for Caleb Ewan, but uh, incredible is also a word we can use for, for him, for Bernal. There's something, well, uh, I said on the live uh, show with, with Tomo, you know who he reminds me of? I know, but I'm not going to say. Miguel Indurain. Miguel Indurain. He reminds me of Miguel Indurain. Not in the height, nor the statu- no. status of the body. No, not at all. He, he, well, he, I think he's quite short because he Peter Sagan on the podium there when all the jerseys went up, sort of towered over at him. I think Peter Sagan's about six foot, but he, and it's not so much his riding style. Maybe there is a little bit of that there, but to me, it's more the demeanour off the bike, the character off the bike. He he's a gentleman. He's a young gentleman. You know, he's 22 years of age. Um, I think uh, uh, Miguel Indrain, he certainly didn't win his first tour at the age of 22. And the last man to do it, do that, well, in recent history, was Laurent Fignon. Um, and, by the way, went on to win the white jersey. So that was the last time I think the Tour de France winner has won the white jersey. But apart from all everything he did on the bike at the Tour, I'm so impressed with him off the bike. There's also the fact that uh, 
he could have had the Polkadot jersey as well. Uh, that battle was on, and on the last stage, if that stage wasn't cancelled, you know, there's a lot of if, but he could actually have had that Polkadot jersey away from Romain Bardet and actually win three jerseys. And when was the last time someone got three jerseys? Yeah, probably, well, I'm not sure if it's never. Possibly Eddie Merckx, you know, when you go back. But you know what impressed me even more? You think he's impressed us enough? He's on the podium, he gets the microphone, and he speaks in four languages. He starts in English, then he goes to Italian because he raced in Italy. He thanked his fan club from Italy because they, that's where his fan club started. Then he switches to Spanish, and then he finishes in French at the age of 22. He didn't speak. He barely spoke English 12 months ago. This kid is, you know, and he, when he walks out on the podium, he's got his father, he's got his girlfriend, I think his younger brother, I'm not sure if it's his mother or his relatives, they're all lined up. He kissed each of them as he walked out onto the podium for the first time. I mean, wow, this kid is just unique. And actually, you're not the only one to think he's got good people around him. Let's listen to Garen Thomas. Garen, congratulations on uh, completing this tour. You know what it feels to win a Tour de France and to be the champion for the year. Have you had the time to talk to your, uh, to your little kid there? Not too much, but he's, he's got a great team around him. You know, family support network is strong. And But yeah, for sure, don't pass on any sort of uh, wisdom I have. But uh, main thing is, don't drink as much as I did. Don't get fat as I did. Because, uh, But at the same time, you got to enjoy it. It's a Tour de France. It's the biggest thing you can do. So he's got to just enjoy it, live in the moment. And he's an amazing talent. He's only 22. He can win another... Oh, well, I'm, I'm not going to say because it's incredible what he could achieve in the future. So... Uh, Yeah, it's amazing to be a part of that. Congratulations, thank you. Thank you, appreciate it. Thank you. So that was Geron Thomas, winner of last year, and then uh, second runner or second or second of this Tour de France or runner-up of this Tour de France. Uh, if and we said it before, but if we would have thought three or four weeks ago it's going to be a one-two Ineos, we would have gone blah. But in fact, we're not going blah at all. We are going. This was a great Tour de France. Yes, it's true, and I think we might have touched on it yesterday in yesterday's pod. The fact that, because in previous tours, Sky and as we knew them previously and now as Ineos, well, this is the first year they've been as Ineos, but so let's talk about Sky. They'd, they'd, they'd get the lead, you know, at the first rest day, halfway through the tour, and they'd hold it all the way to the end, generally. So it was almost this foregone conclusion, and you'd be hoping and praying that someone would launch a challenge. It's not that we wanted Sky not to win, But you want to see, I think, I think most sporting fans want to see a different winner every year or you want to see, you know, something different happen. And so this year, yes, Ineos won, but gee, they only got it done in the last two days. And Bernal at 22, we kept, I think we all kept saying, and you were sort of asking me off mic, you know, Bernal, he's going, is he, is he, he's too young, he'll get tired or will he get tired or do you think he's going to be good? And I'm like, no, there's no chance. He's, he'll, he'll be too tired. He'll be, and he looked tired. He was tired in the Pyrenees. He actually he didn't struggle, but he lost a little bit of time here and there. So he was, you know, he, it looked like the wheels were falling off. And then whatever happened, he just come good. And, you know, the high altitude obviously helped him growing up in Colombia, growing up at altitude. But he was the man in the Alps, wasn't he? Absolutely. To conclude this podcast, I want to throw something to you. Movistar, best team of this tour, where you've been bagging them for the whole... <laughs> we've been bagging them, and you had your own language. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're best team of this Tour de France. I thought of you when I saw them climbing on this podium. Uh, no, you did right. And to, you know what? On the live, Tomo 
had a jibe at me as well. As they come up, he said, well, come on, you've been uh, critical of them. And I said, well, I have. You know what? It's, it's what, look, one of those things, firstly, what I will say is congratulations to Movistar. And you don't want to be critical of a team who's just had success or you, know, you want to critique it, I guess, more is more to the point. They've won the team's class because they've got three individual riders riding quasi for themselves and they're and they're three brilliant riders by the way Nato Quintana Mikel Landa and Alejandro Valverde so they've sort of won the team's class for that reason and I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny I'm being serious about it and they are a great team but I still maintain they could work a lot better as a team um, you know Valverde was second on the stage yesterday Mikel Landa was third you know you should be you should be why wasn't Landa or Valverde working for for the other to catch Vincenzo Nibali. Not once did a Movistar rider go to the front. So it's interesting. And they are, they're the champions of the team's class. They have been at the Tour de France for a long time now. So, you know, kudos to them. Landa, all reports are he'll go elsewhere next year. Nato Quintana, he's already, it's quasi announced that he's joining a French team next year. And uh, Valverde, well, he'll race for another five years, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he looks so thin. Uh, in the mix zone when he came in like you know uh, there's not a single inch or centimeter or gram of fat on this guy he, yeah he's uh, he's an incredible athlete I mean to finish second on the final Alpine stage you know at the age of what is he 38 39 I mean who cares he's old He's old. He is a trooper. He's awesome. Before concluding this podcast, we'll talk about Richie. Uh, let's listen to uh, Richie Port. Richie finishing the tour. Uh, you're here on the Champs Elysees. How does that feel? It's nice to be here finally after three years. But it's good to see Caleb get another win too. Yeah, it's great. It's great for Australia. Did you talk to him before? Yeah, I mean, of course, we had a chat on the way in. He said he was too nervous to enjoy it, but uh, he finished that off so well. Okay, as uh, and you, how do you feel? I mean, I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest. I kind of expected more, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, come back next year. Thank you. Thanks. So that was uh, Richie Porte. Yeah, tired, but a little bit cynical of saying, you know, it feels good to be in the Champs-Élysées after two years. Where is Richie at? Uh, look, I feel for Richie. Look, you know what? He's had a good Tour de France. He hasn't had a great Tour de France. He hasn't had an excellent Tour de France, but he's had a good Tour de France. He just, he only faded on that final stage. And, I, you know, crazy enough, crazy as it is, it was a 59-kilometre stage. But he just he just faded. Um, I think he was just tired, as he said, you know. And I feel for him because I think the window for Richie Port, well, that door is closing, you know. Last year and the year before, I, be- I truly believed and still maintain that They were the two opportunities, two big years that he could have won the Tour de France. And that opportunity, I think, is possibly past him. I hope we see him. I'd love to see him back at the Tour once more. Uh, and we were already sort of asking that question amongst ourselves, weren't we? What will he do? Because Nibali is reported to be going to Trek Segafredo next year. And I think on that, it'll depend if Nibali decides to do the Giro d'Italia. Because Vincenzo Nibali's not getting any younger, by the way. He's won the Tour de France. Yes, he's won the Giro d'Italia, but it is his home tour. So I'd like to see Richie Port back here again. And he, he had an interrupted build-up this year. He was pretty much sick from January right through till June. So he's had a really rough three years. And that, no excuses. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he'd say, no, don't make excuses. That's, that's life. Move on. But uh, I'd love, I'd just love to see him maybe once more 
have a really good build-up and come here in good nick, good form and everything go right just to give it one last sort of shot. And I think he wants that in his mind. Absolutely. Okay, one last question. Do you know how many podcasts we've done on this sort of fronts? Oh, gee. Oh, well, well, listen, deep breath. Is it 28? It is 28. 28 from... Tw- 28 from Ghent. From Ghent. And we did three pre-tour. We've done two vlogs. They're called vlogs, aren't they? Yeah, youngsters call that vlogs, yeah. <laughs> well, we're youngsters, aren't we? At, at that time, because I must say, we're recording this podcast. It's midnight on day stage 21, I think. I call them youngsters because I feel well old. Oh, no. We, 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 what's, that, what's that new app out we need to take? We've got to take an old photo of ourselves <laughs> just to show how worn out we are. But, no, it's been... It's been a journey this year, I think, possibly more than the last two years. So I will just say thank you to you because for the listeners who don't realise, most days we yap non-stop for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I then walk away and focus on whatever else I want to do or watch the race and you've got to edit this thing together because it still requires editing. So well done to you, Christoph, you're a champion. And my cup is empty your cup is empty we need another beautiful fine champagne absolutely and we can't cling them because they're plastic glasses <laughs> oh, no, we're drinking we're drinking beautiful french champagne out of plastic like 20 cent cups but i don't Shh, care i could get shot in, i could get shot in this country for this <laughs> thank you Micah. it's been a pleasure thank you thank you this was the zwift cycling central podcast uh, let me remind you that you can of course download stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website sbs.com.au slash tdf or log a ride with our friend at zwift until the next podcast which will be at some point i'm not too sure when uh, but it will be at some point in the next two weeks it's from france from paris from maca and i bye for now Before we go, a quick shout-out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. With training plans, interval workouts, group rides, and a global community to motivate you, level up, and become a stronger rider. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today for your free trial.